step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself a Gun Season 2! It's we a, made it all the way to a second season. Yeah, we finally made it to the second season of our Sopranos podcast. This is a podcast where we go through every single episode of The Sopranos and analyze it. Analyze this. We should have called this podcast Analyze This. I feel like that would have been confusing for people, but I see where you're going with that. Yeah, but no one's going to start and analyze this podcast. That would be ridiculous. Well, that could be our, that could be our next venture. Our next venture is just to have the just analyze the same movie over and over again. We'll call it Analyze This. Yeah. Uh yeah. We go through every single episode. We talk about it. We say uh what we liked about it, what we disliked about it. And usually, you know, we'll have uh, a guest on. Uh major guests of last season have included LP from uh Run the Jewels, uh Felix Biederman from Chapo Trap House. Uh, uh, Adam Todd Brown from the Unpopular Opinion Podcast. Uh, who else was? Who was a big uh, deal? Julia Prescott. We had Julia Prescott. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Look, Alan Seppenwall. But yeah, but you know what? Uh, you know, this is the the first episode of season two. We're taking it back to basics. It's just going to be the two of back us. Back to tonight. basics. Exactly. This is this is what it's all about. It's just podcasting with homies, just talking about your favorite show. That's right. And. Uh, before we get started, uh, I think it is time to play, for the first time in season two of this podcast, our theme song. Here you go. Pod. 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. Yeah. Still funny after all these year. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it hasn't been a year, so I can't say years. Uh, yes. Uh, this week we are getting into season two, episode one of The Sopranos. It is uh, titled "Guy Walks Into a Psychiatrist's Office." 
Now, uh, the uh, synopsis that we have is uh, season two opens with the aftermath of the federal crackdown. Junior's in jail. Melfi refuses to see Tony. Christopher is expanding into new business ventures. Pussy is still missing. And Tony's adjusting to life as the new boss to complicate matters even more tony's free-spirited sister janice arrives to take care of livia that's right and this episode uh aired january 16th 2000 which is yeah actually not the 90s no it's not the 90s anymore it's uh it's nine months after the last season ended uh, yep, yep. which I think is probably the shortest, uh, I haven't, you know, checked this, but I'm pretty sure that's the shortest, uh, season break in Sopranos. Like the last two, I feel like they went on like a two year hiatus between seasons. And then, uh, I mean, is that the shortest season break of any prestige TV show ever? Right. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, that, like nowadays, you know, you expect your prestige TV show after, you know, the season is over, you go, all right. So, uh, Let's see. The next one is, oh, two years from now. Cool, right. cool, cool. Yeah. And, I mean, and if it's basic cable, you might get a year, but you definitely don't get nine months. That is, uh, I mean, that's a feat. Right. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Yeah, the cast has got to go make some bad rom-coms, and, and then they quickly realize that they aren't getting any roles as good as whatever they had on uh, the HBO show mm-hmm. that they're starring in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, a lot of the times they'll recast, you know, people will, will drop out because they'll be like, ah, oh, I don't need Game of Thrones anymore. I'm going to be the new uh, fucking Jason Statham. And, yeah. And that doesn't work out for them. Yeah, I miss new, I miss old Dario. I, I loved old Dario. Old, old Dario was too hot. I, I no. Was, uh, new- I'm watching... I'm watching this, uh, you know, Game of Thrones with Francesca. It's her first time going through it. We're at season five. And, of course, she noticed that Dario was now some bearded dude. Yeah, he's like and the I- sensitive indie band Dario. I like the old Cro-Mag, like, probably yeah. listen to Pantera uh, Dario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the if you look at all the tattoos on his body, one of them might be a swastika. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, Arian, Arian Dario was definitely, I mean, he was hot, but he was like, Francesca described them as, as too hot for TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, I thought that was. Well, uh, but he's got, he's the, yeah, the queen's got to want to have sex with him. That's the whole point. And by the way, we talk about how George R. R. Martin, you know, is like the godfather of uh, of Game of Thrones and how it all went to yeah, shit sure. after he left. But what sure, we don't sure. talk about enough is how many really good uh, creative decisions that the TV show made. And one of them was not having Dario with like a purple, be- like with a three cornered goatee that's all different colors. Oh, yeah. Or, or also not uh, having uh, Tyrion uh, get his nose cut off, clean <laughs> off. Yeah. I mean, there are things like that where you're like, yeah, it was a good decision just to give him a little scar. Cause, yeah, because uh, otherwise that'd I be mean, a lot of a lot of makeup every day for that guy. It's it's just uh, it's too much makeup, a lot of CG going on. It's just not worth it. So, you know, they did make some good decisions. Sure. And you got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, D.B. Weiss and the other guy, you guys did great. Yeah, C.B. Weiss. Is it CB? No, I don't know. <laughs> it's 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 Hebe Hebe Weiss and GB Weiss. Yeah. Uh, but we're here to talk about The Sopranos. Yes, uh, the other best TV show ever made. That's right. And uh, we're gonna take the Wayback Machine, way back, yeah, nineteen years ago, almost twenty, to January sixteenth, two thousand. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the top song was? I don't. Tell me. Uh, it was What a Girl Wants. 
with by Christina Aguilera. Wow, what a girl wants, what a girl needs is for her prestige TV show to come back in nine months. Yeah, uh, which uh, just beat out the previous week's number one, which was Smooth by Rob Thomas and wow. Carlos Santana, which is weird. Like, what a girl wants feels like very much a slice of the early 2000s, and Smooth feels like it just came out like last week or something. I don't, I don't know. You're you're freaking crazy, dude. Because like, smooth is one of the most like, it's the most millennium song that I think exists outside of the song "Millennium" by Robbie Williams. I guess you it's know? just it's, that it had like that second meme life. It did. It did have a. It did have a second life on memes. But it is like to me, it is a very dated feeling song, um, and it's also just one of those hit songs that. You listen to it and you can't deny that it's a hit, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like, it's just pleasant. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like, I mean, uh, it's like a slightly less obnoxious, uh, Maroon 5 song almost. And by the way, yes. um, Carlos Santana has the best job in mu music because oh, he yeah. just solos else, over other people's songs. Yeah. <laughs> someone else writes a song. He comes in, he plays the same solo that he always plays. Uh, yeah, he doesn't yeah, even yeah. really like all, he's like, what key is it in? All right. And then he just plays the same thing that he plays over every song. And, uh, and he's like, a f he's famous for that. Yeah, he's a master of a blues scale, and he can also do that Spanish-sounding scale. So yeah. learn two scales, ladies and gentlemen. Good for him. Uh, That's why he has his own table at Mama's in North Beach in San Francisco. So You know what? He deserves it. Carlos yeah. Santana is a goddamn national treasure, Vince. All he right? should be able to eat brunch line-free in San Francisco whenever he wants because of those shitty solos. God damn right. First of all, they're not shitty. They're solidly mediocre, but they okay. sound really, really good on a PRS, dude. You get yeah. that Paul Reed Smith guitar and woo, those yeah. fucking pickups. Um, Sounds so, delicious. Yeah. The uh, the top movie uh, was Next Friday. Wow, that yeah. that went to number one, huh? Yeah, well, it was the first week it was out. It didn't make a ton of money, but, uh, you know, it was there. Um, headlines. Good for, good for Ice Cube. Yeah, good for him. Headline, I think there was a scene in uh in in Straight Out of Compton where Ice Cube is writing the script for next Friday. I thought he was writing just Friday. Yeah, but I think in the sequel to Straight Out of Compton we'll get a scene of oh. Ice Cube <laughs> <laughs> writing the script. I love how he yeah, that's the most self aggrandizing biopic I think I've ever seen. But uh, you know, I like Ice Cube, so good I for mean, him. I mean, it was produced by him and uh, you know, you 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 got to credit where credit is due. The guy sure did pivot into a whole other career. Yeah. My favorite thing about Ice Cube is there's this wonderful clip uh, where he is, uh, it's like a live clip that someone taped on their phone. And at the end of a song, he's going, keep it gangster, y'all. Keep it gangster. Keep it gangster, y'all. Keep it gangster. I want to thank you all. I want to thank you. It's just, it's the most gangster thing you can do is be polite. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, oh, you love him. Look, I'm glad he ca he cashed in. Um, uh, some other headlines quickly. Uh, Al Gore called out George Bush. Uh, you know, they were running for president against each other. Uh, for I remember that. The Confederate flag uh, flying over the state house in South Carolina. Um, oh. David Letterman uh, was recovering from heart bypass surgery. Damn. Which is pretty amazing that he had heart bypass surgery a full 20 years ago and he's still kicking ass. Uh, yeah. And uh, Israel uh, puts West Bank withdrawal on hold. I think uh, uh, I think that's still on hold. 
Yeah, I think that hold is still going strong. <laughs> yeah. So but yeah. that's a that's a whole other podcast. We don't have to discuss <laughs> Israeli politics here. Well, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. You know, and I think that is a that is I think a good segue into what this episode is about. Yeah. Uh cuz this episode starts out with uh the song A Very Good Year sung by Frank Sinatra mm-hmm. in which uh, you see kind of a montage of where we're at now with yeah. all of the characters. Yeah, they didn't need to te- they didn't need to do a catching up mo- uh, they didn't do like a previously on so but they just yeah. had like a montage showing what everybody's doing now. And and it's nice because the montage is it's an interesting thing because it's like what they're doing is pretty much exactly what they were doing. But it was a very good year is kind of I, I felt and I don't know if I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, you tell me if I'm uh, going a little uh, off the reservation here. Uh, but like I thought it was their way of being like. They did have, you know, he had a good year in terms of like he is now the, you know, street boss, mm-hmm, uh, you mm-hmm. know, jun- Junior's locked up. His mom is in uh, in like some sort of um, hospital. Uh, yeah. And uh, and yet, you know, with all that going on, uh, he's still sad. <laughs> Tony. Tony's still sad about life. And and so, you know, Chris Moltisante is like on drugs now, like more so than he was before. Right, right. Uh, you know, Carmela and Tony's marriage is falling apart. Um, I guess Meadow's driving, so she's she's you know, she things are looking up for her. Uh-huh. Um you know what I that that montage missed was because it had things like you know Polly uh, Walnuts uh, fucking a stripper on uh, on like I think a pool table, um, but it didn't have AJ just masturbating in his bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I felt like you know at that age, yeah, that's what he'd be doing. Yeah, listening to like Slipknot or something. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's corn. But whatever. god damn it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't you fucking trust me? That's Slipknot. So, Bada B stories. Yeah, let's get into all the Bada B stories, dude. Um, so, we've got uh, Tony taking over Junior's crew, Janice as Monkey Wrench. Yeah, uh, she's, the, she's the catfish before that movie, Catfish. She's exactly. the weird one that makes stuff interesting. She's, yeah, yeah, she's the wild card. Yeah. Um, yeah, got Chris's uh, boiler room, uh, not unlike the movie Boiler Room. Uh, Tony trying to make nice with uh, Melfi and the house, the horse. That's Christopher doing heroin. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, that's Janice being mad that Tony's trying to sell uh, Livia's house. Um, general general thoughts on, on this episode. Uh, um, it is the Sopranos. And I think this is true of all of season two. Um, you know, you see hints of what the Sopranos is going to become in season one and it kind of finds its voice really quick, quickly. But in terms of really establishing what the Sopranos does and what it's about, this episode, I think, is the most Sopranos that they've been so far. And and I mean that in terms of like you've got the scene where pussy, big pussy comes out of hiding and uh, he invites him in. And they're having this conversation uh, in their kitchen about how, you know, he basically ran away and, you know, he was worried about getting whacked for being the rat. And in the background, you can just hear, uh, you can hear um, 
what's her name? Uh, Carmela. Uh, Fel- uh, Carmela, uh, you know, yelling at her children to get up. And then you hear AJ going, I think I'm sick, which is, <laughs> yeah. it's like the mix of family drama and mafia family drama, mm-hmm. just like uh, contrasting is just so Sopranos. And like the, you know, uh, the therapy in this episode is brilliant. It's like, to me, this is, uh, I mean, it's not up there as one of my favorite episodes, but it's really like, okay, The Sopranos is off and running. It has its voice. It knows what it does. Was this the most wife-nagging heavy episode that we've seen so far? Because, I mean, it opens opens with, uh, you know, well, with with Tony and Big Pussy and Carmela's upstairs, she's kind of she's kind of yelling at the kids and and nagging and uh-huh. then and then you know we get uh what's his name who got whacked uh, oh jimmy uh philly oh oh no no oh philly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so philly, philly gets whacked philly gets whacked at the beginning because he's been spreading rumors uh well not rumors he's been spread, spreading facts about tony trying to kill his mother and yeah, yeah. Uh, and the first scene with him is is like he gets in the car and his wife yells uh if he can get go to the bakery i think and he just yeah. like, he like lets out a long sigh and then he drives, <laughs> drives yeah on. and not only that uh then there's also of course um when big pussy and tony go to the basement uh to talk about you know uh the fact that you know he went off the reservation um he uh you hear carmela yelling you know can you bring up some waters and like <laughs> yeah. just like like yelling at at tony and pussy to do chores and not only that you also have um pussy explaining why he never told his wife because he fucking hates his wife and yeah, at he one calls point, her a twat yeah he calls her a twat and then at one point in the party scene uh, in order to break the tension, which is it's one of my favorite moments uh, in this episode, um, Tony is just pissed off about something that Janice has done, you know, taking away the for sale sign on the house. And, and he's just like in, in kind of pecking order mode where anyone says anything to him, he's just going to yell at them because he's the boss. Um, it's that it's this mode he gets in when he's emasculated. He's like, okay, I have to take this out on someone. So he just randomly goes up to uh, Big Pussy and he goes, you fucking moron. And then Big Pussy looks over and goes, oh, hey, is that my wife over there? Oh, no, it's just a St. Bernard in the yard. And uh, and everyone laughs. And Tony, it breaks the ice, uh, the tension. And he goes, you fucking moron. And that like, was this a, kind of sweet It was way. a strange moment. I have a clip of that. I, like, I don't know. The uh, like, I had to rewind that twice, I guess, just because the the cadence was off and uh i couldn't tell like why i mean yeah you're why he shit on his wife yeah yeah like like where he pulled that one from where he's like hey uh people are messing with me i gotta i I gotta i gotta lighten the mood here by calling my wife a dog (laughs) so i got i do have a clip of that yeah yeah the fuck you doing second seat and coming up Fucking moron. Oh, look at my wife over there. No wait, Tone. The neighbor St. Bernard is on your property. <laughs> You're a fucking moron. Anyway, we flew first class. Like, I don't, I guess, I guess it, maybe it was because he, like, didn't wait long enough for the punchline. Also, I didn't quite get the uh, second seating coming up, and then Tony's, like, calls him a moron. 
yeah, I, I didn't get second seating either. Um, if you do understand that, please uh, email us, Patreon, uh, or sorry, uh, frockcast at gmail.com. I mean, I get what he's saying. He's saying, like, he's, you know, he's, he's cooking seconds, but it was just... Like the, I don't know. That I, I, I'm not sure what makes him a fucking moron for saying that. Right. Like um, the, 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 the syntax of that was odd, like in that context. Yeah. But what I love about that moment is that it shows number one, just kind of like how angry Tony is and how he needs to, when he's feeling emasculated, especially, or feels out of control, he needs to take it out on, uh, you know, the people, his subordinates, right. right. All the people below him. And it also shows that Big Pussy has this kind of masterful way of like shifting the conversation back into like he's 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 kind of a he's good at playing Tony. He's good at like taking Tony and being like, all right, I understand that Tony's mad at me for no fucking reason. So I'm going to shit on my wife. And yeah, I wife, nagging wife, my wife, nagging wife as scapegoat is definitely a theme of this. Oh, yes. Of this episode. Um, and uh, we also, uh, yeah. you know, on that subject, we can't forget uh, Carmela's parents. This is the first. Uh, oh, yes. This is also the first appearance of Carmela's parents is uh, is in this episode, and uh, we first see her, her father who's who's drinking a scotch and has like a or a whiskey or something, and he's got a cigarette in in between his fingers as he's holding uh, his his uh, whiskey glass. And the first scene is just her mom giving him like a dirty look for smoking and drinking and then just proceeds to like henpeck him for the next three or four minutes. Yeah. I do have a, I have a, I have a clip of that as well. Do it. You go to the market, pick up a couple cans of pears, canned pears, not fresh. That's the secret to my pound cake and get some bussing and go while you're there. Parish. You want the dole? I'm not even going to answer this time. There is a new market dead down on Pompton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to answer this time. <laughs> yeah, she's a marvelous uh, character, and so is Hugh. Uh, the DeAngelis's are some of my favorite Sopranos, like periphery characters yeah. that. They don't show up nearly enough. Uh, There's more of them as the series goes on, but like just the relationship between the the mother and father there uh, is just so funny because Hugh is, he's this very like, he's, it's not an old fashioned like, you know, uh, relationship in a way. I mean, it's like, it's very clear who wears the pants. And in fact, Wearing the pants is another theme in this uh, in this that kind of ties into the nagging wife thing because uh, um, at one point uh, Janice goes outside to uh, sneak a cigarette uh, or to smoke a cigarette and then Tony goes out to meet him and uh, to meet her and then sneaks uh, a hit off of it and then she's like oh I guess we know who wears the pants and yeah. so it's like. There is this like theme of like male emasculation by their significant others. Oh, just being hen. I mean, it feels almost uh, a a little sexist in the writing because everyone's being like henpecked by their their wife uh, in this episode or mother. It's 
Yeah, right. A wife, mother, or therapist. I mean, it's just like any any woman in this really like you know is is definitely written in a way that is uh, yeah I would say uh, low key sexist, and I think nothing distills it more than the scene with uh, Chrissy and uh, and his uh, girlfriend. Uh, what is it? What's Adriana? Yeah, Adriana. Yeah. Uh, it's hey, it's been a year since we've done this podcast, <laughs> and by year I mean three weeks. Um, yeah, in which they just have uh, an all-out hitting fight uh, in front of Matthew Bevilacqua and uh, what's his name, uh, Sean Sean something. Yeah, uh, the guy who played uh, the guy the guy who was in a Bronx Tale. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Bevilacqua is the guy who's in a Bronx Tale, and uh, the other one is Sean Gismati, who yeah. it's uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah. The, the other guy, I thought that was yeah. Casper Van Dien. He's just a guy who really looks like an Italian version of Casper Van Dien. Y- you're talking about uh, the Sean Gismati character? Yeah, the guy who looks like, yeah. he looks like the guy from Starship Troopers. He's got that same, like, yes, you know, yes, the same yes. kind of, like, your, your, your face is almost too chiseled to put in a show about real people. Right, 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 right. Completely. Yeah. Um, and I think we should get into what the entire Matthew Matthew Bevilacqua and Sean Gismati storyline is. Yeah, that's like and, uh, in terms of mob, mob uh, plots, uh, mob like rackets. I really enjoyed this one. I guess it's just because I I enjoy the idea of like pump and dump uh, schemes and uh, just the idea yeah. that they got these you know, people work. I mean, I guess the, the idea is that, uh, Christopher who has hired an Asian guy to take his series seven, uh, exam. And that's the first, that's the opening shot. Um, Yeah. Which is like so unnecessarily racist. (laughs) Like, but I feel like that's exactly how the, how Christopher would do it. It's like, Oh, of course he's going to pass. This is Asian. Yeah, yeah, I, but uh, there's, there's there's that thing with The Sopranos where uh, some of it is like, is this racist because the character's racist or is this just a racist choice they made? <laughs> right. Because I can't imagine that there are um, a lot of mobbed up Asian dudes, you know, uh, in in kind of the New well, York I don't, area. I don't think the guy has to be mobbed up. It's just a guy that Christopher offered a bunch of money to take his exam for, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe so. A, a, a part of me was like, yeah, but you could have got someone, I don't know, it seemed to me like, uh, you know, uh, in order to make sure that they know it's not Chris Moltisante, we'll make it an Asian guy because they're smart. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh boy, that is, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah so, the, so the idea so, is that he's the mm-hmm. SEC, the SEC compliance officer, is that what he is? And so he's basically... Yeah. Uh, running this boiler room, uh, like not not necessarily in title, but in, yeah. you know in practice, and so he's having all these guys push uh, their favorite stocks. Webistics. Yeah, web webistics. We're pushing webistics over here, which is hey. a, which is a great like Silicon Valley, which is a great like it's it's definitely from the the first tech bubble era. Yes, the 2000s. Yeah, webistics. What does it do? I don't know. It's on the web. Let's uh, pump it up. Um, And uh, yeah, and I have a clip of... uh, They catch a guy who's not pushing their uh, preferred stock 
and, yes. and he just goes and just dumps coffee on his back which is yeah great. it's right after chris leaves for the day because he's bored just sitting in an office which by the way i love that that for chris like what is kind of like boring ass work to him is just like what he imagines a desk job is is you just sit in an office all day <laughs> yeah and, and and it's just so funny because it's like no like people like work and stuff in their offices <laughs> yeah but that's the whole thing like the whole dream of being in the mafia is like you're allowed to sit somewhere and just collect a paycheck yeah and, and couldn't he have like worked on a script in there or maybe got into gaming i could see christopher like getting into gaming and being in his office dude just doing if something. chris were around in 2019 he would for sure have not only a podcast but he would have like a twitch stream he would try <laughs> to be an influencer for sure he would definitely have spent a lot of money on a gaming chair Yes, yes, he would. He'd be a gaming chair guy for sure. Okay, so here's the here's the little bit of the boiler room assault, as I like to call it. It's very sound company. Mm -hmm. All right, so you're gonna want to make that check out. Oh, um, data purchase would be the day. Whether you want to go for uh, growth or value. Yeah, you know, we've got hundreds of mutual funds. <laughs> supposed to push Wabistics. I, I was just giving them alternatives. Shit. Wabistics is our pick of the week. Why? It's got a three million float. The competition's robust and their technology's two years behind. Your stock's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, stop that! Hey, I'm still the manager here. This is unacceptable. Where's Moltisanti? I'm gonna make a call. You think I don't know who really runs this operation, huh? Get back in your fucking office. Uh, I, I like that because this guy's just con this poor guy's obviously just confused about like why right. like instead of just telling them why they're pushing webistics he'd probably you know if they actually like brought him in on the scheme he'd probably be like oh okay that makes sense i see why you guys are doing that but instead they just throw coffee in his face and beat the shit out of him yeah well that's the thing is it's it's they stand out like sore thumbs in this kind of like you know white collar job where they're like listen all we really know is like kicking people's asses and and what's weird is like it does seem like uh, Matthew Bevilacqua actually does have some background in this. Uh, he has like a, a not not in like yeah obviously in beating people's asses, but also in like stock fraud. Like it, it, he was talking to uh, Chris uh, later uh, in the episode where he was basically trying to explain, um, you know like kind the of scheme. explain to him the this the scheme because like yeah. chris has no fucking idea what's going on because he's a fucking moron and he's a junkie uh not that junkies can't be smart some of us you know it just takes a while not but, all uh, hashtag it, not all junkies hashtag not all junkies um but yeah like he uh, he seems to be like a semi-smart guy but he, they're also they, they're to me a distillation of what like literally everyone else is in this show in terms of like all of the mobsters are really just playing mafia right and th they're they're the things that they're doing you know the the tough guy thing is like it's just what they're doing what they think you would do if you were in a movie but right it just it's it stands out you know when there's no fucking 
Rolling Stones Gimme Shelter playing in the background when you're beating some stockbroker's ass. <laughs> yeah. It just it looks like a bit of an overreaction. Right. So when they're just mobbing on that dude, it is so funny. Because yeah. you're like, this is so over the top. And another thing that I really like about that setting is be is that you know they're all playing mafia and all these all these like finance Wall Street type guys they're all just playing Wall Street too so it's like yeah that's everyone's true. sort of play acting and then the other thing that I like about it is that you know to do the thing where you're pushing stocks you're basically just kind of like a glorified mafia guy as it is and so like True. the juxtaposition of like these uh you know these wall street guys who probably talk like they're all tough guys in their off office hour uh, in their off hours and you know you stick like a real mob guy in there and it's just uh just this nice uh just this nice mix of things yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty wonderful. And just like introducing us, it's the best way to introduce us to these two fucking clowns because they uh will pop in and out of uh season 2 in a way that is just so funny. Like they are the two biggest jerk-offs in you know, in the show uh and it's the best way to introduce them. It's just right. uh, you know, fucking clowns. And a little uh, bit of a little bit of background here. This is my favorite piece of uh, trivia, probably from this uh, episode. Do it. Is that uh, Matt Bevilacqua, who is played by uh, Lilo Broncado Jr., who is in yeah. a Bronx Tale. He just has that face that looks like a young mafia guy, and I think uh, he does. He looks a, a lot like uh, Robert De Niro. He's got an authentic Guido face, I guess. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so. Uh, so he was actually in jail between 2005 and 2013. He was uh, oh, a wow. drug addict. And in December 2005, Broncado was uh, charged with second-degree murder for his role in a burglary in the Bronx, New York, in which an off-duty police officer uh, confronted two burglars and was killed in a shootout. Broncado was oh, subsequently shit. acquitted of murder but was convicted of first-degree attempted burglary and sentenced to 10 years in prison. God damn. So he got out in what eight? Uh, yes. Ah, well, good for him. I hope he's turned his life around because uh, that's uh, you know, second degree murder is uh, that's a pretty big bottom for a drug addict. You know, yeah, mine was can... when someone called my parents. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I well, you uh, dodged I did not a bullet get there. Literally. I did, I did. Yeah, unfortunately for that off-duty cop, not so lucky. Oh, that's not nice. Maybe I'll cut that out. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah yeah well, there's, uh, there, there's like a lot of material for a listicle on uh you know actors playing criminals in uh hbo in, prestige series that actually turned out to be uh criminals later yeah i think uh i remember when snoop uh from uh the wire was arrested for something right. and i was like oh yeah that uh that character did seem very real <laughs> yeah, you know a little too authentic yeah, like very authentic, very authentic. Uh, Hope Snoop is doing well too, because she is uh, by far one of the greatest characters on that show, oh, and that is one of the in, greatest in cable shows ever history. Made. And and I kind of wish I watched the Breaking Bad movie this past week. And oh, I uh, still haven't. I always wish that they got actual tweakers to play Jesse Pinkman's friends, because boy, yeah, they really felt like Law and Order episode tweakers, and uh, they would if they had like a some sort of Snoop or uh, Matt Bevilacqua in those roles. Boy, so that wait, been a lot better. Did, did you you did watch uh, the movie or you did? Yes, I did. Oh, okay, and uh, no good, huh? I mean, I was it was all right. I was trying not to fall asleep the whole time. It's just it's like we don't need. 
we don't need to, to know what happened to Jesse Pinkman after Breaking Bad. Like, we could have guessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what's kept me from watching it is like, I, I you know, it was such a perfect ending to that show. And uh, why why sully it with uh, right. some, you know, dumb movie? Right. Uh, so, but going, sp- speaking going, of which, I'm very, okay, very excited ahead. about seeing uh, about seeing Newark uh, starring um, uh, James <laughs> Gandolfini's son. Yes. But that's a prequel, so it won't ruin it. All right. So shut up. Yeah, well, you know, if Be- Better Call Saul is arguably, well, not arguably, I think it's better than Breaking Bad. So, you know, Damn. there's two there's two ways to go. You can go either way on that one. You but really I wanted can. to go back to uh, Big Pussy. I think there's a lot of foreshadowing because at this point in the show, we don't know that Big Pussy is a snitch. But I really feel like if you read... Spoiler between, alert, bro! Damn! Yeah, but if you read between the lines on this episode, I really yeah. think you can guess because... His explanation for why he was gone makes no sense at all. Yeah, it really doesn't. And and it, it does take uh, it takes a lot of giving him the benefit of the doubt, which is hard to do if he just like went away for that long. Yeah. You know, it it is strange to me that this was but you know, they checked up on it. They checked up on his story and and Polly said it all checks out. So I think in the end like Tony did want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But okay. what what is what what yeah. is his explanation? Yeah, here we go. Oh, sorry, wrong wrong clip. Fuck. Nope, wrong clip again. Idiot. Here we go. It was a broad, Tony. It was complicated. My back was for shit. You know that. I don't want to fucking hear any more about your back. That's how we met this fucking spondylolisthesis. That's why I was popping <laughs> Percocets like freaking juju beads. <laughs> Anyway, so my doctor, he prescribes this clinic. That's another good uh, malapropism is juju beads. Uh, yeah, juju beads and then also spiliolysis. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what he's saying there. I, yeah, I have no idea, but I know it's wrong. Clinic for me in Puerto Rico. I didn't exactly object, Tony. Give him the fucking vibes around here. Go ahead. Check. What, you don't tell your wife you're in the hospital? That twat brought on most of this. How? Listen. <laughs> Down there, I met this girl, 26, an acupuncturist. It was the only thing that fucking really helped with my sciatic nerve. Anyway, one thing led to another. You can't send one feeler to me. I'm going to trust you, Paulie. Take the word of a degenerate cop over me. Tony, who are you talking to down there? Mom, meatloaf. <laughs> Um, just the, I, I the idea love... that he, he went to Puerto Rico and he met an acupuncturist on the beach. Like, what the hell kind of story is that? Yeah. And not only that, but it's 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 kind of genius in the way he's able to once again, like kind of like play Tony, you know, uh, manipulate him in this way because he knows him, you know, probably better than anyone. They're best friends. And he's just like, listen, Tony, I know it's weird that I was gone for a long time when you guys thought I was a snitch. That being said, here's a very reasonable explanation. (laughs) Titties. 26-year-old titties. Puerto Rican titties. And she know how to use the acupuncture needles, if you know what I mean. And and I, I love it. He just kind of is just, that's it. That's the whole thing. And, and then I he's think, just like, why didn't you tell me? Like that. Yeah. And Tony's we, whole thing is like, you should have said something. I would have, if you, all you had to do was say titties. And I'd have been like, okay. 
<laughs> yeah. And I think we do get a good explanation of why Tony buys this uh, later in the episode yeah. in the St. Bernard scene. Because it's like, okay, he needs Big Pussy because he's sort of like an integral part of this crew. And he loves him. And, he, you know, he's, he's uh, he loves him and he wants to believe him. And, you know... For all they know, they already got the the rat. They got Jimmy. So it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, he's giving him the benefit of the doubt because he really feels like, you know, he has to because he loves the guy. And and that is, you know, part of like the attraction, you know, to these characters on the show is like their very human reaction to things and like, you know, them wanting to wanting to put their friendship you know, thinking their friendship matters, thinking that uh, it's it's not all just, uh, you know, dollars and cents, that there's like some soul there. Uh, right. And yeah, it's 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 lovely. Um, all right. Can we talk yeah. about Janice? Because, uh, you know, this is her oh, first episode. And my God. Yeah, she's a wonderful character played by Ada Turturro, who's uh, John Turturro's sister, of course. Uh, yeah, and you know, f- I would say for the most part, uh, anytime there is a family of actors, uh, I say go fuck yourselves, get a different job. You know, some of us uh, are trying to eat out here, and uh, our parents were librarians and shit. But uh, <laughs> I gotta say, just it's one of the best written characters on TV, and it is one of the most well acted characters. I feel this character so viscerally yeah. that I, if I ever saw. Ada Totoro in real life, I would be like, oh, God, I got to get away. I got to get away. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you, but I have a friend exactly like Janice. I oh, have a friend. I feel like every family has at least one Janice. Yeah, but this this person isn't in my family, but in a way it feels like they are because I've known this person for so long. And she's one of those people who just pops up in my life every once in a while and basically asks me for money. Yeah, And, and, and a lot of times without ever explicitly asking me for money but there's always a con there's always something an angle they always got an angle they always got an angle and it's just one of she's one of those people who i'm like i've considered multiple times in my life like what i need to do is open a bank account and just put five thousand dollars in there and just wait because eventually (laughs) after years and years of like basically asking me for either money or some sort of you know uh like hinting at like i need your help for you know these things and then of course i've you know i've i've given her all sorts of things in my life to try to like help her out and it's always it's always a clusterfuck because it's always i i didn't do the right thing or i right. didn't do it correctly and i've always you know makes me feel bad for like wanting to help and then for helping in the wrong way and I just need to have $5,000 ready because I know someday she's going to be like, Matt, I know I haven't heard from you in a long time. Give me $5,000. And I'll be like, here you go. And it's kind of like, had this it's kind of like when, years. A, when a homeless person comes up and they got to give you like the big elaborate story. And I'm always like, yeah, here's $5. Leave me alone because yeah. like, I don't want to hear the story about how you ran out of gas and your yeah, mother needs a, a ride to the hospital. It's like, I'm giving you money so that I don't have to hear this bullshit story. I love it when they they have like uh, they they have their hand out and they like shake your hand and you, you're you, like my instinct when someone has their hand out to shake it I just do yeah and then I feel their hand and I'm like oh man this is a rough hand for someone who doesn't look that old and then they'll be like uh, so I bet you're wondering why I'm wearing these pants <laughs> so and then you're just like this is gonna be a whole thing yeah. isn't it. 
It's yeah. like, you've practiced this story, and I don't want to watch you uh, do this monologue yet again. I know, because it's like a sales pitch, and it's like, and I feel bad, and, uh, you know, I'd rather just give you the money. Yes. I'd rather just like... No, I'm uh, paying you to keep to save me from having to hear this story. Please, please take the money, and just don't, you don't have to give me the pitch. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Janice shows up at, in stunning fashion. Out of the blue. So the, just... they call her Parvati like twice before you understand what the fuck they're talking about. Yes, Aunt Parvati. Yeah. And and uh, and yeah, and they quickly go back to Janice. In fact, she uh, at one point, um, Carmela's talking to her mother and she says the line, oh, Parvati. So what is she, a cheese now? <laughs> and they go, actually, the, uh, Parvati is a Hindu god. And it's like, oh, good for her. <laughs> Just, yeah, <laughs> so and funny. my favorite thing about Janice is not just Janice, but the way that Tony reacts to Janice. Because yes, I mean, I feel I don't know. I'm sure it's similar for Jews, but uh, that's Go a on. very Italian thing where where you're just like, ugh. Here's my pain in the ass sister. And then you do the martyr thing where you're like, yes, of course she can stay in the house, even though like you know it's gonna go bad. And, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's true. I, I imagine that's true with most families. I mean, I don't know, maybe not waspy families or something, but like, I would say that like, uh, that is the trouble with family is in general is that you are stuck with these people. They're your blood. And, and, and sometimes it's true with friends, like the friend that I have where right. it's like, uh, you know, if this person that I'm talking about ever needed anything, I, for some strange reason, you feel just through time and, and yes. sometimes blood that you feel obligated to them. There's like a because... grandfather clause with friendships. Like there's people that I don't want to yes. invite to my wedding who I'm just like, uh, well, I've just known them so long that I got to invite them kind of thing, you know? Yes. You've known me for long enough, Vince. You have to invite me to your wedding. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't want to have this discussion anymore. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's a thing, and and just the way he reacts to her is it's uh, it just kind of shows his commitment to his family and the fact that he knows, you know, even though he knows full well he's being played, um, you know, he he's gonna still give the benefit of the doubt. Um, because but there's there's yeah. also an element of martyrdom there too, where he's oh, like, definitely. like he's almost go, uh, bending over backwards to uh be nice to her because he knows it's gonna go bad because then he can say that he was the good one later yeah 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 that's true i mean the martyrs run in the family they run in the sopranos family yeah i mean i, I, I don't just... know that just seems like a very italian thing because i feel like i've seen that so many times yes. in my own family um and then just the way that she's written they they, they like they give her so much backstory with like just a couple lines here and there. Uh, oh yeah. Where Tony asks, he's like, "Oh, what's uh, what happened with uh, Adolf?" And she's like, "Oh, you mean Rolf? Rolf went back to Andorra." <laughs> <laughs> and just like, like all you need to know is to, to, you get from looking at her and hearing her fake name, Pravati. Yeah. It's like, you know everything about her. She was a free spirit hippie chick who left the family, uh, left uh, Tony and her sister in the lurch to deal with Livia and all of her bullshit. And, uh, you know, is is just working on all sorts of like, 
you know, schemes, uh, get rich quick schemes and the like, like uh, the greatest thing ever is when she leaves the party early because she has to, uh, has a meeting to get funding for her video. You don't know what the video is. You just know that whatever it is, is going to be a failure. And And do you you feel like, do you, and when she said video, like it wasn't music video, like she's clearly doing some sort of art installation. Yes. Um, Yeah. That, that. I I feel like they tried deliberately to style her exactly like Joan Osborne. I feel like Joan Osborne was oh, their, their inspiration for Janice. Because like Janice yeah. looks exactly like Joan Osborne in the What If God Was One of Us video. Like it's the, the totally. same like nose ring, same like curly hair. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's totally right, and it and it fits really well uh, with the um, even though it's in the two thousands, the still very nineties themes of the show. Yeah, uh, which I think you should play the theme song for. Oh, jeez, do it. Play the theme. It's the nineties. Parents are supposed to discuss sex with their children. It's the nineties. It's, it's the nineties. Nineties. Hell yeah. So, um, there's, there's a few that I'm just going to bust through real quick. Number one, there's, uh, the first, uh, time that they ever, uh, acknowledge the existence of analyze this. Right. Um, I have that clip. So I feel like you don't have to, but I don't want to bust through this one click quick because I feel like this is exactly like the South Park episode where they rip on family guy because like they're so tired of being compared, uh, to family guy that they have to like shit on it. Yeah. And this is a... Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Here, here you go. Who's from childhood kick in? Older sister. That should be obvious enough. Yeah, but those feelings are starting to bleed into my business. And what sort of business are you in? Commercial and non-purchasable waste. <sighs> Mr... What does he say there? Non-purchasable? Purchasable. Oh, what? What is that? Not Purchasable. Uh, oh, Purchase. Okay. To buy. All right. Waste you can't buy. Why would you want to buy waste? It's waste. I don't know. It sounds like a fake job. <laughs> yeah. Spears, I watch the news like everyone else. I know who you are. And I saw Analyze This. I don't need the ramifications that could arise from treating someone like yourself. Analyze This? Yeah. Come on, it's a fucking comedy. I'm not taking new patients right now. <laughs> come on uh, this show isn't analyzed this fuck you how dare you compare us yeah no they're definitely doing that a bit uh and i mean i don't know they, uh, there's also a way they're tipping their hat to them a little bit because they're like what are you talking about that's a comedy this is a serious drama but they know right. very well that this is like a comedy and, and you it's, know it's a meta joke like they're even doing a joke while he says it yeah, I, I fucking love it. Um, so, yeah, there's a mention of Analyze This. There is, uh, at one point, uh, they call uh, Sean and Matthew, uh, they call them Chippendale. And yeah. I feel like, feel like so you either got Chippendale's, uh, the, you know, hot dancers right. or the rescue rangers. That's what I thought re- it was the first rangers. time I heard it. And then the, ne- the second time I realized they're talking about the chipmunks. Or the, yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, so they're talking about the Rescue Rangers, which I love. Uh, then uh, there's uh, another point at which uh, there's the first mention of hacking, which they think is, is what is that called? Cracking? And they go, mm-hmm. it's called hacking. And then. Which is uh, a new oh, thing. Like, oh, hacking. What? Oh, ha- hacking computers. Um, 
And then uh, also in the boiler room, there is a uh, everyone's on Gateway Computers, which is very 90s. Uh, and I think there is a, um, a poster for Gateway, which that's uh, a 90s computer brand, you know? Sure. Um, and then finally, uh, we get one of the funniest things ever is the scene with Janice when she first comes and she talks about like being in Seattle and Meadows says, oh, your life is so cool. You know, uh, what's it like living in Seattle? And then Tony goes, you know, if I ever catch you in those grunge pants. <laughs> and then Meadow says, how do you stay so hip? And says it sarcastically and ironically. And to me, and I don't know if this will continue in this, you know, viewing of of the show. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like the beginning of the end of It's the 90s. It's like the first yeah. time they're realizing that times are changing, you know, and that like I mean, it, like, that's so dated. I didn't I don't even really know what grunge pants are. Are they just like ripped jeans? Ripped jeans. Yeah, those were grunge pants. Yeah. I I, I wore grunge pants in the 90s, dude, as a, as like a, a fucking fifth grader. I was yeah. a uh I was a grunge pants kid. And now we're I going get... more into like, hey, we don't wear grunge pants anymore. Now we wear Janko pants that are wider than our shoes at the bottom. Yeah, I know. Now you can fit a whole skateboard in your shorts. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like uh, it is, yeah, it is, it is interesting and it's sad to see it go. But I think eventually uh, it's the 90s is going to be over. But I think we'll, we'll wait till September 11th for that to happen. Yeah, I think that yeah, was that's, the true that's, death of the 90s. That's the day the 90s died. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Janice's character in the show uh, being introduced like this, just a, an absolute wrecking ball, just uh, a snake oil salesman <laughs> and uh, a charlatan. And she's just she's just wonderful because you see the gears working in her head and, and they, they do it in this way that it doesn't feel too obvious. I mean, you know, she's like, you know, vying for something, but you're not sure. And you're, and it's not until she takes down the for sale sign on the house that you go, oh, she's trying to steal the house somehow. And uh, it's uh, it's just beautiful because, you know, she's she's a total wild card in this whole well, season. She's a, she's a vagabond and she doesn't like the idea yeah. of not having a mother's house to eventually impose upon once one of, right. her, once one of her schemes yeah. goes sideways. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. I mean, it's the safety net. It's like uh, this the, this character that I think would play just as well today as it as it would back then, which is that you know all of your kids are you know making less money than you are, and uh, you know they kind of count on you. Uh, you know, bequeathing them a house in order to survive. And right, some... and it's kind of like the entire hippie phenomenon in general like the hippie yeah. generation doesn't really happen without parents who have you know money that they can you know you don't go like drive around the country in a van unless uh you know you have some sort of stable family right. that money to fall back on right exactly it's uh it's really great i mean she just her character is for me one of the most triggering characters in the show <laughs> just like one of the realest depictions of like just an absolute leech that that you get on tv like you know uh, father phil uh said this yiddish word in last season uh, a couple of times where he, he was talking about schnorra yeah uh you think i'm a schnorra 
and uh and there's no bigger schnorr than uh janice i mean right. she is you know if she smells hot food she's gonna try to eat some of it you know and it's perfect because you know tony's Tony's a leech too. He's just leeching off like all the people that he, uh, you know, he uh, extorts money from. Like that's what yeah, they've but, been taught. Yeah. And so Janice that, is like that's this, true. She's this mix of a mob upbringing with like a mother who's like a who's toxic and manipulative, and she's like yeah. a perfect mix. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like they both have the same level of entitlement. Just one uses it to uh, further himself financially in kind of more grandiose ways, uh, both like power and respect. And the other one does it just in the same way kind of a bum does it, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, she's like someone... a new agey, new agey extortionist. Yeah, and, and she's so beautifully written in terms of her ability to use kind of like liberal catchphrases and like new age new age phrases uh, in order to uh, emotionally manipulate the person into like believing that she might have a heart, you right. know, behind, behind all of her schemes as someone who just wants to help. Like talking to their sister, um, uh, you know, she's telling Janice, just leave this alone. Don't worry about the house and all that. And then she's like, hey, I'm not worried, you know, but she has rights you know just <laughs> yeah <laughs> like she gives a fuck about the rights of her mother it is just so wonderfully depicted that like that level of manipulation right yeah um some questions i had about this episode uh sure you know, smoke on the water is playing during tony's uh his his like little episode where he crashes the car and uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that was supposed to be like, oh, where there's like there's smoke on the water, like there's a fire, like where there's smoke, there's fire. Like this is kind of sure. like foreshadowing like a greater mental breakdown. I don't know if that was a, a thing. Um, yeah. Um, also, this is more just I don't know if this is a criticism or a plot hole or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I didn't really understand why the psychi- psychiatrist like let him into the office, let him start talking about his problems. And only after he uh, asked Tony what he does for a living, does he reveal like, hey, I know who you are and I don't want to treat you like like he's taking yeah. his money and he knows who he is, but he lets him stay for like half a session anyway. So maybe he wants to uh just out of morbid curiosity is like i don't uh, you know i don't want to treat this guy but i would love to get a meeting with tony soprano (laughs) uh it also could be and i think this is less likely that he called up and said my name is mr spears well yeah there's that but then he showed up and then he could see who the guy was right and not only that but also like You'd really have to watch the news a lot. You'd have to be keeping up with with like mob blogs in order to know what Tony Soprano yeah. looked like. Like Tony was pretty well Bob, insulated. Mob laws, mob blog. Yeah, Bob blah blah's mob blog, mob blog. <laughs> uh, you'd have to read Bob blah blah's uh, mob blog in order to like actually know what Tony Soprano looks like. So, uh, or he could have just you know been someone who's racist and was like oh this guy's italian he's talking about working in waste management uh he's probably mobbed up so yeah i I, I don't know it it could have been a plot hole uh but or it could have just been a way to get a nice analyze this i think it was like like there's a couple moments when there's like one one line of dialogue too many and it kind of messes up the flow i think that's one of them because obviously we had to get to him uh you know finding out what tony does and throwing him out but like the fact that they put all the 
Tony, his therapy, his actual therapy in there kind of messes with the flow. Same thing with the, the, uh, St. Bernard thing where, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought what they were going for there, cause I hadn't seen this scene in a while. And I think what I remember from it was not knowing who he was talking to at first being tricked into thinking he's back in the office with Melfi. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the reverse shot of, Oh, it's a totally different therapist. Um, so like maybe that's why they, they, yeah, played that a they wanted that misdirect. Yeah. yeah. They wanted a nice little misdirection there. Um, so in terms of, uh, I think it's time for malapropism corner. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Malapropism Corner, uh, the only one that I got uh, was uh, when Tony says, oh, now they Dwayne to set foot in our house. Yeah, I got, I got the clip for that. My parents are coming. Oh, really? What, now that the dragon lady's gone, they'll Dwayne to set foot in our house? She said some horrible... <laughs> I like she reacts that the only, the only way you can react is that you just ignore that it happened and keep going. Yeah, I like to think also that Carmela doesn't know that That's he said right. Dwayne instead of Dane. Um, yeah, that that is pretty great. Um, in terms of Gabba Vafan Ghoul, um, uh, there was a few I noticed. One was Skifu's. Uh, yeah. where at one point he just goes, you fucking skifus. Actually, before I get there, uh, I've noticed something uh, in this show. They love The Godfather, right? Like, yes. they talk about it all the time. Right. Um, but Sill almost exclusively knows quotes from Godfather 3. And <laughs> Was that all from Godfather 3 tonight? Everything except for the, uh, where he goes, uh, you know, is it true, Michael? No. You fucking skifus. But that one's from Godfather 1. But both the just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. And also our true enemy has yet to reveal himself. That is also Godfather 3. <laughs> so it's just weird to me how many quotable lines that Syl knows from Godfather 3. And and how, you know, for because they know it's bad. It's like one of the right. worst movies ever. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so he calls uh, her a fucking skifus, um, which uh, I don't know. Have you done a definition search? Disgusting, on that? loathsome, lousy, crappy, stinking, filthy, rotten. Uh, it's Italian American yeah. slang for schifoso. Schifoso. Uh, yeah, so a great word that we will use constantly in the show. Another one. Uh, actually, uh, that, with- that was one that was in my. Like, I knew what that word was before The Sopranos because I, I did hear schifoso and, uh, yeah. Oh, look at In that. my family, like, I think you... they would say schifioso. I don't know if that's like a northern way to say it. Uh, yeah, who knows? But I, I, I fancy, heard that one Fancy before. northern Italians. Yeah. Um, the other one was bucchiac, which is mm-hmm. uh, a word that they get into later um, in, in uh, not in this season. I think it's in season three, or maybe it's this one, where... Um, uh Chris is on set uh doing a movie with Sandra Bernhardt and uh um and that other stand-up comic lady whose name I'm forgetting. Um you know the one with the like dark hair from the 90s everyone loved her. Um Janine Garofalo? I don't know. Janine Garofalo, that's okay. the one. You got it. Yeah, uh, um, and, it's and great, they use the like, word you don't you don't even need bukia. to know uh 
the what it actually means because bukyak it just sounds like just on a level of uh just the consonants? way it sounds yeah, yeah like it's it's got those harsh continents it, like it sounds as harsh as cunt and so of course it means cunt it means cunt yeah and uh and, and in this uh, you know episode uh, they just kind of throw it aside they say bukyak and i was like oh i know that one from this show later on uh so that was a good one did you catch any gababafangul uh, I think there was uh, just the one with the the basil where they call it uh, basinagul. That's ju- that's just basil. Yeah, it's like Italian. Yeah, for, like basilico, basinagul. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. that is an interesting gababafangul basinagul. You fucking skifus! Uh, sorry. I just like I really like calling people skifus. I'm gonna start doing yeah, it now. You should. Yeah. All in all, I have to say, uh, this episode just gets me so psyched for more episodes of Sopranos in season two. A lot of great characters are going to be introduced. A lot of amazing storylines will uh, be introduced and then come to an abrupt end. Uh, No spoilers, but I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I imagine you've seen the show. Um, So yeah, what did you think? Like the episode? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a setup, good setup episode. Very good setup episode. Yeah. And if you enjoyed this episode of Pod Yourself a Gun, please tell us by going to uh, fraughtcast at gmail.com and uh, email us. Tell us what you liked. You know, if you noticed that we were wrong about anything, please email us anytime. We love your emails. And Vince, what's the Google Voice number? Uh, 415-275-0030. Thank you guys so much for listening. I had a great time. Vince, did you have a good time? I had a great time. Can't wait for our next episode with an amazing guest. Who knows who it will be? Because it could be anyone. It could, could be, be you. Killer Mike. It could be you. It won't be <laughs> Killer Mike. It'll probably be you. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, don't stop believing. Bye.